Father, thank you for this day and for this time together. Thank you for your precious word, for the anointing. We thank you, Lord, that this is a place, a sanctuary, where your presence can be established. You are welcome here, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you center place in your church. And we thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts and minds today and for everyone who will hear this message in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to talk about a little lifeguard training. Any of you ever serve as a lifeguard? (laughs) I never did either, but I was a good swimmer when I was young. (laughs) Yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. Everybody know that? Or if you don't know it, you probably got pinched and you're wondering why. Ah, yeah. Yeah, most of us, a lot of us have a little Irish in us. Bunch of potato eaters, right? St. Patrick lived between around the time of 389 to 461. St. Patrick was not a green beard drinking leprechaun but a spirit-filled miracle working lover of Jesus who shook a whole pagan nation with the gospel here's a quote from the life and times of St. Patrick for the blind and the lame the deaf and the dumb the palsied the lunatic the leprous the epileptic all who labored under any disease did he in the name of the holy trinity Restore unto the power of their limbs and unto entire health. And in these good deeds was he daily practiced. Thirty and three dead men, some of whom had been many years buried, did this great reviver raise from the dead. As above we have more fully recorded. He used the three-leaf clover as an illustration to teach about the Trinity. We ought to celebrate St. Patrick's Day by preaching the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out devils. Amen. Four weeks till Easter, what we refer to as Resurrection Sunday. Amen. That's on April 16th. So it kind of snuck up on me this year. We'll be talking about the things I usually like to take this time of year to reflect on Jesus and, and to help people to grow closer to Him, uh, understanding the humanity of Him, as well as appreciating the divinity. Amen? So we want to affect our effectiveness or increase our effectiveness as Christians. And the Lord has put upon me, this is a great, exciting season for the body of Christ, a seizing of uh, resolve, as it were. And that's a, that's a great word that he gave me back in November for this year for the body to resolve, to decide firmly on a course of action. Think about that, to decide, to decide firmly on a course of action and make up our minds to determine or to decide. The noun of the word is a firm determination to do something. So the Christian life, as God intended, is a choice to fulfill purpose. And faith, doesn't the Bible say that faith without works is dead? 
and by their fruits you shall know them. So Jesus is our greatest example of this. And so we're going to look at him as our pattern today of Christian resolve, determination to do something, uh, acting on our faith, and living out the things that God has for us to do. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 9 with me. Luke chapter 9, verse 51 through 56. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 51 through 56. And I'm going to just read that. Luke, chapter 9, verse 51. And I'm in the English Standard Version, one that I like lately. Very similar to the King James, only in English. When the days drew near for him... Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. I just want to look into this a little bit. Look at verse 51. It says, when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face, he resolved, he determined, he made up his mind to go to Jerusalem. That had to be a hard thing. Knowing what was going to happen to him as he did. He knew the way he would die. He talked about it all the time, although it fell on deaf ears with the disciples. But Jesus had great determination. I want to encourage you to look at something you maybe never saw in this passage of Scripture. The Lord showed it to me a while back, and it really blessed me. Because when people do amazing things, even Jesus... It's good to understand how. I mean, I can stand up here and tell you everything you're supposed to do as a Christian and everything that's wrong with you as a Christian. But God told me, don't ever leave my children in that condition. We're going to talk about the how-tos, amen? Notice it doesn't say when it was time for Jesus to be crucified. Does it? Not for him... To die on the cross. But time for him to go to heaven. That's a big thing. Matthew chapter 6. It talks about. Storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Doesn't it? Jesus. My point is Jesus was kingdom minded. We're not to get attached to things of this world. Matter of fact. John says, a friend of the world is an enemy of God. By keeping our minds stayed on on the Lord, on heaven, our home in heaven and eternity with him, it makes things easier here. I guarantee it. And that's what he did. He was kingdom minded. Look at the 52nd verse. And he sent messengers ahead of him 
who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. 53. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. As a Christian, when you set out to do the things that God has for you to do, rejection will come. It's not a maybe. If you never bump into the devil, it's because you travel in the same direction. These disciples were rejected just because Jesus was doing the will of God. They hated the Jews. The Jews hated them. And and all their carnality and bitterness and unforgiveness caused them to miss the things of God. And it will do the same to your neighbors and people in this world. And it's all over, all around us. You see it. They're so blinded by agendas and bitterness and unforgiveness that they can't see past their nose. They have no idea who God is. And even those who do are just as divided as those who don't. It's for that very reason. Selfish motives, bitterness, unforgiveness, desires. The things of the world cause them to miss the things of God. So, how do we keep our resolve? I'll just say a, a couple of things. We could go on for this for weeks. This could be a series that we preach for a year. But one of the things is just by keeping close to Jesus. I'll make it simple. Space between you and your Savior allows room for temptation. Space between you and Jesus is a bad thing. You need to stay close to the one who came and rescued you and saved you. And now by the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding you through this life to your final destination with your heavenly bridegroom. You can go your own way. You can get off of the the narrow path and jump onto that broad highway that leads to hell. You can do it and He'll let you. Not because He wants you to. He'll always try to reach you and lead you back and He'll be whispering in your ear, why aren't you trusting me? Why don't you believe in me? But it's a choice. But space provides temptation. Remember when Peter... The night he was ready to throw down. He, he cut that man's ear off in the old Malchus in the garden, didn't he? He was ready to die with Jesus in a fight. You know what? For a man, that's an easier thing than the spiritual sacrifices that Jesus is asking us to make. There, there are not too many men, good men, according to our standards, that won't, that won't die for his wife or family or friends. Men do that. They'll be right there with you if they're a good friend. (laughs) But the spiritual persecution and trials that were to come, Peter was not ready for. When Jesus got arrested and was being taken and back to go through these mock trials to be ridiculed and persecuted and beaten and spit on, Peter followed him back, but if you'll read, and I'll have time to go there today, it says he followed at a distance. And that space is what provided the opportunity for the enemy to come in. And we all know what happened before that rooster crowed. 
The next thing is just to trust Him. You stay close to Him and it'll cause you to trust Him. But you need to trust the Lord with all your heart. If God said it, that settles it. should be your attitude. Proverbs 29-25 says, Fear of man brings a snare. But, now here's a promise. If God, if God said, Fear of man brings a snare. Okay, here's a bad thing that happens when you, when you uh, care so much about what men think. But, that means he's fixing to provide a solution or an alternative that's good, right? But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That's awesome. I would rather be safe than to be ensnared. It's fear of faith. You can't have both ends of the seesaw up at the same time. That's the way we're made. Fear or faith. Doubt or belief. God or the government. God or Google. <laughs> millions and millions of people are being misled, deceived, and because of their deception, they're deceiving others. And they need the church. They need the real bride of Christ to help them, to heal them everywhere they hurt, to empower them by the Holy Ghost. And by knowledge, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To love them and to help them to prosper by understanding the spiritual principles that God has set in place. Not to hinder us, but to help us. Financially, physically, relationally, emotionally, in every aspect of our lives. It's already been provided. We're living in the greatest time in history. You know, we're no longer searching for a promised land. We're living in the land of promises. What do I mean by that? Jesus has provided everything. How come we don't go to church on Saturday on purpose? Out of a, a legalistic reason. I had somebody, and I told you they would, somebody hit me on Facebook when I had the times and, and everything. Oh, good. And on the Sabbath, Shalom, Shabbat. And I'm like, okay. Nothing wrong with that unless you're depending upon that. You see what I'm saying? Because my Bible says that Jesus is the Sabbath. He fulfilled everything, you see? That's why we don't have to... <clears throat> We don't celebrate a month or a year or the astrology or any days, certain days. It's good to take a day of rest, but we don't have to for religious reasons, you see. Jesus, we are in Jesus. We have entered that rest. We have entered that, of course, we will enter into heaven. But the point is. And if we're going to continue to sing, I'll fly away here, we're going to have to change some of the words because we're not going to have things that just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. What that does, the good thing it does, it makes people heaven-minded, but no earthly good. They're just enduring while they're here, you see. We are more than conquerors right now, the day of salvation. Jesus has provided everything we'll ever need.
But God says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowing me. And they are by the millions. We have to shine brighter than ever. The, there's a great falling away that's taking place in the church. And some of them stay in church. They just split their church off and call it what they want. And then they get some preacher to stand up there and tell them what they want to hear. And everything's acceptable and everything is God. And you can even have other gods. And Jesus is one of the way. And that's all a lie. It's blasphemy. It's not church. It's not God's church. It's not Jesus' bride. Call it what they want. My great-grandfather was a Methodist pastor, and he would not be pleased with what's happened to them. I'm just telling you now, I don't hate anybody. I love them all. And for the ones that are sitting there really wanting to know Jesus, he will get them out. No matter where you are, what sort of denominational mess you're in or anything else, if you really, really want God and you're seeking him with all your heart, you're going to find him. That's his promise in Jeremiah 29. In order for us to help others, though, we have to really first help ourselves or rather allow the Lord to help us. Do you get my point there? That's what I meant by lifeguard training today. Have you ever been on a, a, a plane and they come and tell you now if the oxygen mass drops down, it's because there's a problem. We have no oxygen, whatever the problem is. But what do they tell you to do if you have someone with you that can't help themselves or a small child? Put it on yourself first. Oh, how selfish is that? No. What good are you to them if you can't breathe? Right? That's why they do it that way. The same with the, the lifeguard. If a lifeguard comes after you and he begins to drown, he's not going to help you. So he needs to be trained. He needs to understand... To stay away from that struggling person until they surrender. There's a whole other message there. And then he can drag them to safety. But if they're fighting, which oftentimes they do when someone's drowning. A lot of spiritual ramifications there too. He can't help them. So they're, they're taught to stay away until they stop struggling and, and surrender, submit. And then he can take them. But we have to help. We have to know who we are. In Christ, we have to be helped, healed. If we're bitter and, and have unforgiveness or we're physically sick, we have to be healed. We have to be empowered. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to utilize all the tools that God has given us to help us to understand who we are in Him and to know Him better. And therefore, knowing the love that He has for us, because without a revelation of the love that He has for us, we'll never be able to share love. You can't give what you don't have. And He is love. He's the source of all love. So if you don't have God and have an awareness of how much He loves you, how can you actually love someone else with the love of Christ if you don't have the love of Christ in your heart? And how can you help others who are really hurting financially if you're not prospered yourself? How can we sow into all these good works and the things that God has put upon our heart if we barely go on paycheck to paycheck? God doesn't want us to live that way, I'm telling you right now. The prosperity message has been taught 
in error for so long that they either teach you that you need to be uh, just take a vow of poverty or they teach you that you're supposed to have every jet plane there is and they're both lies but there is a truth to the poverty I mean to the, to the prosperity message and we're going to learn all about it because God has shown me all these things the lights have gone on and I love it because I know him better and I know how to determine whether it's him or the devil. And that's the point of knowing his word. Amos 3.3 3 says, how can we walk together lest we be agreed? That's him talking to us. Jesus tried to prepare his disciples before he left. And we're going to be talking more about that because Easter is coming. And we'll get into that some more. But... He tried to teach them on that faithful night how to help them emotionally. He told them, don't panic when this happens. He, you know, he let them know, this is what's going to happen to me. Although they acted like they never heard it. He told them about 14 times. But don't panic. Be encouraged. And he tried to help them spiritually. Just believe. Just believe. And he taught them to be heaven-minded, just like we were just talking about, which is a wonderful thing to help us and encourage us through knowing him and to find our spiritual identity. And how do we know the Lord better? Through the Word and with the help of the Holy Spirit. But this Word is, is important. People think they don't need it or it's just an old book that they don't understand, things like that. But listen, just sitting under the teaching, it goes in. My wife is not a big reader. I went to school with her, believe me. Her mama every day, will you talk to her? <laughs> She's always in trouble because she couldn't keep her mouth shut. She went to school as a social activity. <laughs> she hated it. But you know, after 10 years of listening to me incessantly, never stopped talking about Jesus, she knows when to rebuke the devil. She knows what's God and what's not. And she, and she knows. It's like, my goodness. Well, it just it's the seed of God's word. It goes in and it, it, it's effortless change, really. Now, you can expedite it. But just being around it, just embracing it, it's going to help you. Welcome, welcome. So, that's the point. When you got born again... In Galatians 5, 22-24, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. All the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control of God are already inside of you. You say, that's crazy. I am the most impatient person I know. And I admit it. Well, you still have the patience of Job inside of you. And I can teach you how to draw it out. 1 Corinthians 2.16. I'm just going to run through a couple of scriptures. Don't go there. 1 Corinthians 2.16, but you can write them down. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. In your born-again spirit, you have the very mind of Jesus Christ. How come you still think your mind is all you have and it makes you wonder if you're saved because you say, man, I, I have some pretty screwed up thoughts. I must not have got that that day. Yeah, you did. If you got Jesus, you got the mind of Christ in your spirit. But you cannot discern 
what's in your spirit with your natural senses. And that's where people go wrong, trying to, trying to reason God. 1 John 2.20 says, But you have been anointed. King James says, You have an unction from the Holy Ghost. You have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. Wait a minute. Now I know I must not have got saved. Because I'm just as dumb as a doornail. Listen, it's all in there. You're a three-part being. When you got born again, your, your spirit got renewed. That spirit of Satan, that spirit of iniquity that came in in the Garden of Eden and the seed of Adam and Eve, they were corrupted there and everybody got it ever since. It was evicted when you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And the Holy Spirit came in and sealed your renewed, perfected spirit until the day of redemption. Untouchable, uncorruptible. Perfect. The mind of Christ, all the fruit of the Spirit, all in there. Now your soul is being renewed as you come into agreement with what's in that spirit through this word right here. Because this tells you who you are, your spiritual identity. And the Holy Spirit will help you. He'll remind you of everything the Lord has said. And then this vehicle here, it's just tagging along. It's just housing. It's just the temple of these things that God has added. And it'll be renewed. We're going to get a brand new one and it's going to be incorruptible too. Amen. I'm going to get hair again. 1 Corinthians 2.14 The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he is not able, neither can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Don't be so hard on your unsaved friends. It's impossible for them to understand the things of God except by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Until they have the Spirit of God, they can never understand spiritual things. That's why you have idiots like Bill Maher and these people talking all these crazy things. They can't figure it out with their natural minds. So God's a joke. And then they look at Christians and they go pick on, pick on Christians who are very immature in their faith and don't know the things that we're even talking about here today and they use them as examples of why there's no God and why Christianity is so ridiculous. And that's sad. But the best thing can ever happen to any of those enemies of God is that the Lord get a hold of them and change them. He loves them. He died for them too. And it's His will that none should perish but everybody be saved. Amen? So we're going to keep plugging away see how many we can Add to the kingdom of God and see if we can vacate hell. Amen. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed or given by inspiration of God. You need to come to terms with that scripture. Because the world will try to get you to believe this is just an old book written by men about God. And that it's not to be taken literally and there are parts you can do without. And if you ever dismiss any part of this, then you'll find it convenient to dismiss another part when it doesn't agree with your life. 
So you need to believe Second Timothy three sixteen. All scriptures God breathed and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. It teaches us who we are in Christ, and it teaches us where we're right and wrong in our lives, and it's a guide for us. It's a love letter from the Lord to us about Him and about us. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says that the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, are here not to do all the praying and to do all the saving, but to equip the body to do the ministry. There's really only two kinds of two kinds of Christians, those who are saving souls and backsliders. And your testimony is the greatest sermon you'll ever have. It's the best one somebody will ever hear. God made it that way. There are people that you will be able to reach that if I was to be on television tomorrow and have un unbridled access to every station and channel and time slot in the world, there will be some people who never know who I was and never hear the gospel. They will hear it from you, though. Just step out and try it sometime. It's a little scary, but very rewarding. And if they reject you, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting him. And trust me, sometimes something you say to somebody today, 10 years ago, from now we'll save them. It'll cause them to turn to the Lord. They'll never be able to get it out of their mind. We have to stay in love. We have to remember that God is the source of all power. Why doesn't He use us more sometimes? Why is it so important, I should say, that we do the things I'm talking about? That we be empowered, that we be healed and uh, empowered and, and, and walk in the revelation of His love for us and we prosper. Why is it so important that those things happen first? That we have a, an understanding of who we are in Christ and who He is and how much He loves us and be confident in our salvation because we need to be strong so we can help others. And we need to be strong because He cares more about you than what you can do for Him. This is a fact and it's very, very important that you understand it because it'll make you feel so blessed. You are more important to God. You are not disposable. How's that? If He were to come and tell me if he came and told you the day you were saved, tomorrow I want you to go and I want you to take over Joel Osteen's spot, it would crush you. But God just doesn't see you as something where he can just put the straw in the can and drink you up until you hear the slurp and then toss you aside and go get another one. He wants to prepare you. He wants to strengthen you and empower you to do His will. And then he, He's all for it. He needs you. He wants you to, to help Him. He wants us to strengthen and grow the body of Christ. And He will help us to do that. But He, he cares about you. He wants you to prepare. And you can't microwave it. You just can't microwave it. We have to take the time that's necessary to do the things that are needed so that we can be a help 
to the body. Amen? How many of you will resolve with me today to do whatever it takes, to spend time with the Lord, seeking Him, seeking His will, growing in the truth of His Word, seeking Him regarding the Holy Spirit. All of you, if you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need it. And I guarantee you, He's got great things in store. Amen? He loves you. He has written a perfect plan for your life. And he's excited for those of you who are really endeavoring to enter into that plan. Because it's beautiful. People, people look at me all the time that I grew up with and they say, man, you were one crazy dude. What happened? You're all religious now. Like, no, man, I'm free. I tell them, I didn't like you before. Now I love you. <laughs> and it's the truth. But I give the glory to God for every good thing. Every good thing. Amen. Praise God. John, will you come and bless us with another one? Amen.